0: It's almost common knowledge that the Bible's Old Testament, a sacred text in both Judaism and Christianity, begins with the creation of the earth and the first humans. However, a closer look at the text will show that this is not the case, and that the book of Genesis actually begins with two creation stories. Rather than being one event divided into two parts, the text makes it clear that these are in fact two entirely different stories. While many will be quick to jump on this fact as an inconsistency or dismiss the book altogether, a closer look actually shows that these two stories' messages act in harmony to tell one greater story. In that greater story, which sacrifices literal, sequential history for a more complex, symbolic form of storytelling, the differing accounts provide a greater understanding together than either could on its own. Therefore, focusing on symbolic meaning Genesis communicates multiple spiritual truths about one event. The story's message that humanity is the high point of creation, yet is still intimately a part of it, guides us in how we ought to interact with the world. The seemingly conflicted stories offer humanity a deep purpose in stewardship and a responsible life on earth. A symbolic reading greatly increases the harmonious meaning of the two stories' messages. My name is Sean. Welcome to Mythos and Logos. From its beginning, the Bible's first book addresses the meaning of human life in context of its origins. Immediately, the first line of the book of the Bible sets a strong foundation for where the story will go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This seemingly simple and obvious opening is actually far different from many of its contemporaries in the ancient world. For example, ancient Greek mythology begins with a spontaneous coming into being. Hesiod describes this in the Theogony. Verily, at the first chaos came to be, but next wide-bosomed earth and dim underworld in the depth of wide-pathed earth and love. This selection describes various gods, forces, and creations simply coming into being from nothingness. There is no creator, but rather chaos, earth, the underworld, and love simply coming into being spontaneously, without any creative force mentioned. Chaos, a void of nothingness, is also present in the stories of the ancient Jews' neighbors in Mesopotamia who lived in modern-day Iraq. The Enuma Elish, Mesopotamia's creation myth, describes swirling waters of chaos, which separate into fresh water, called Absu, and salt water, called Tiamat. We'll get to that story again later. There's no explicit reason stated for why these chaotic, formless waters separate. There's no creative being or force guiding this process, and in time a war erupts between these newly formed gods. Now, it might seem strange to discuss other traditions in an analysis of a biblical story, but the reason we did this is to show how different the biblical creation myth is. In these other stories, the basic state of things is chaos, where anything can happen and anyone can spontaneously come into existence. In Genesis 1, the ordered creative force of God, though, is the universe's default state where other stories show chaos as the exception to order, in the opening of Genesis, order and structure is the norm, with chaos not being introduced until later. Spoiler alert. Through the seven days of creation, the universe becomes increasingly more complex, with simple creations like light being followed by all types of life, culminating in humanity on day six. And God said... Let us make humankind in our image and according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of heaven and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every moving thing that moves upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the likeness of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of heaven, and over every animal that moves upon the earth. God creates humankind last in the increasingly complex and ordered creations of Genesis 1. This demonstrates a very positive view of humanity. God gives humanity the mandate to take up his role in the new creation, ruling over it and even making new creation by fruitful multiplication. Being made in the image and likeness of God provides an especially powerful message on the sacredness of all human life and the responsibility that comes from it. Overall, the mythological message of Genesis 1 is that the universe naturally exists to be ordered, rational, and predictable, and that we can live a life of meaning by caring for creation and creating more of it. As we will soon see, this does not mean ruling like a tyrant or abusing the earth, but rather having a meaningful life that embraces the divinity within us by a responsible and caring stewardship. Surprisingly, the story immediately following the Genesis 1 creation myth contrasts it in many ways. This is important not only in providing another meaningful story, but in providing a powerful insight into how one should read and understand the overall text of the Bible when genesis 2 describes the creation of man it discusses how when yahweh god formed the man of dust from the ground and he blew into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature here man is created from dust as part of the earth given spirit in the breath of life as a supplement to the story in genesis 1 This tells that humanity is still very much a part of this creation, and tied to the earth we came from. This seemingly basic statement is actually a very meaningful one. Genesis does not portray man as a purely spiritual being trapped in an earthly body, as Plato suspected, or as an otherworldly being living in this world marked by suffering and decay, as in many Eastern traditions. Rather, the perfect and ordered creation is both spiritual and physical. Humans, living with bodies and spirits in a world not yet marked by suffering, can truly take an optimistic view of the universe and their place in it. So far, the messages of Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 appear perfectly compatible, suggesting that a well-ordered life of creativity, bringing forth more life and caring for it, Is the key to human happiness. The next lines of the text, though, appear to go against the idea of reading both chapters together. Later in the chapter, God seeks to create a helper for the man, so he first creates all the world's animals, followed finally by the woman created from the man's own flesh. In the mind of someone who hasn't heard this story before, something should immediately jump out and surprise the reader. It appears to be a direct contradiction to the previous story in Genesis 1. The first chapter tells that man was the final peak of creation, but the second has man created before any other animal life. In any book published today, a timeline error like this would be corrected by the second draft. But the biblical creation story has kept these two accounts for thousands of years. As we'll see throughout this series, stories don't have thousands of years of staying power without a reason without containing some sort of meaningful insight that keeps them being passed down through generations. A closer look with a less cynical view leads one to the conclusion that both of these stories were left unchanged for a specific reason. We've already discussed the harmony between the messages of each. And in order to keep this harmony, ancient scribes had two choices, either combine the two stories into one or leave them both, despite the confusing timeline that results. The text's choice to leave both stories makes a very clear point on the intention of the authors, scribes, and storytellers who formed and saved it over the years. The intention that, from its very beginning, the book of Genesis is not to be taken as a literal history, but rather as a means for communicating the foundational spiritual concepts which the Bible is based on. With this symbolic reading of Genesis, humanity can be both the final, highest apex of creation in chapter 1, and also be clearly intertwined with creation in a relationship defined in chapter 2. This is symbolized in the garden for which humanity is tasked to care. Man's rank above the rest of creation is clear, both in his status as the masterpiece of creation in chapter 1, and in his act of naming the animals in chapter 2. Just as parents name their children, people name their pets, and God named the man, when he names the rest of creation, the man gains authority over it. However, this authority comes with a responsibility. Just as parents raise their children, people feed their pets, and God gifted the man with paradise, it is now humanity's responsibility to care for the world around it. A certain Uncle Ben might have something to say about that one. To grow a successful garden, the gardener must know which plants grow well together, which will battle each other for resources, which require ample water, and which thrive in the difficult conditions of a desert. The gardener must be able to tell when a plant needs to be cared for gently and when it must be pruned and able to bear fruit. The symbol of the garden further explains the biblical view of God's role in our lives, while also explaining the delicate care that humanity must take of its surroundings. In order to fruitfully multiply, the garden must be kept healthy to feed the next generations. Stewardship is not just a good ideal in Genesis's worldview, it's a divine mission. With this symbolic reading, and the text's own insistence against a literal historical understanding, the harmonies of Genesis's creation myths shine greater and provide a far deeper, more applicable understanding of the truths presented within than a literal, historical reading of the text would. Through this symbolic look at Genesis, arguably the most well-known creation story in the world, we saw how the story's creation of a perfect world differs from the more chaotic stories in other traditions. We saw the Bible's positive vision of humanity as the masterpiece of creation made in the image and likeness of God in chapter 1. It looked like chapter 2 of Genesis was going to contradict this story, but instead we found greater harmonies between the two creation myths with a symbolic reading of the text. This harmonic reading allowed us to see how the Bible's positive view of humanity is also a responsibility to care for the earth in a relationship that benefits both people and planet. Thank you for joining us in a symbolic reading of the book of Genesis. My name is Sean. This is Mythos and Logos. I encourage you to support this channel through a like, subscribe, comment, especially if it's a nice one. Although realize that if it is going to be an angry comment, you're only helping our engagement. There is more information available in the description. And now that this is out... Our second episode is underway, which will be covering the Native American traditions of spirit animals and humans' relationships with the animal world. I'm looking forward to seeing you then. Bye.